Welcome to the Nerd of the Rings podcast. To get the latest Middle-Earth-related videos, including Tolkien Explained, Complete Travels, and Theories, visit youtube.com slash nerdofthering's. This audio podcast is made possible by the support of my wonderful Patreon supporters. To learn how you can score some exclusive perks while supporting the channel, visit patreon.com slash nerdofthering's. Hey guys, I'm super excited to share my interview with John Rhys Davies today. Um, but first, I wanted to explain how this came to be. It's a very special story. Um, there's a young man who lives in New Zealand. Uh, his name is James Dupree. And three years ago, he discovered that he had stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. And right now he's facing a very tough fight. And his family and friends, they started a fundraiser. It's called It's Time to Shout James. And this is to help him um, to be able to concentrate on fighting this disease that he's currently fighting. And that is actually how I got in contact with John Rhys Davies. Um, I've been wanting to do something fun here on the channel for a while. Um, for all you wonderful subscribers and my uh, Patreon supporters, um, I wanted to give back to you guys uh, for the support and in the encouragement that you've been to me as uh, this channel has really taken off. And when I saw the opportunity to bid on a one-on-one -on -one conversation with John Rhys Davies, I knew immediately that was something I wanted to do for you guys and to be able to share with you. Um, so I left it the chance because not only was it something that I thought would be really fun for the channel, but um, it was helping out a great cause. And um, honestly, because John has such a huge heart himself, um, not only during our interview did he go way over the allotted time, uh, he was so generous with his time, um, but he also donated a second one-on-one -on -one virtual chat. And that is where you guys come in today. Um, so you can actually win this second one-on-one -on -one virtual chat with John Rhys Davies. Um, so for $20, New Zealand dollars, um, which is roughly less than $15 US or 12 euros or 12 pounds, if I've done my uh, Googling properly here, you can actually get an entry. And there's no limit to the number of entries. You can uh, donate as much as you want uh, to get as many entries as you want. And uh, go to the link. It's here in the description to donate, and you'll be entered to win. And we'll actually reveal the winner next week, uh, Wednesday, November 24th, during a live stream here on the channel. And you'll also notice, um, if I've set my settings properly, um, that even though this interview is a premiere here on the channel, I have the Super Chat function turned off today. Um, and that's because, honestly, I, I don't want you to give me anything today. Um, so please, whatever you might have given in Super Chats, go to the website and please give to James. Um, and just help him to know that he's not alone in his fight right now and that people all over the world are thinking of him and just help him feel the love um, from our fellowship of nerds. Um, with that said, uh, I'm really excited. Um, here is uh, my conversation with John Reese davies Welcome everyone to Nerd of the Rings. Today, it is my great honor to welcome a very special guest. You've seen him or heard his voice in a multitude of films and series, including one of my personal favorites, Indiana Jones. But if you're on this channel, you will no doubt know him from the greatest cinematic trilogy of all time as Gimli. Mr. John Rhys Davies, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Lovely to be invited, and thank you for your very generous contribution to young James's uh, um, shout out. Absolutely, yes. The charity shout out for James, as uh, I explained just before uh, this video rolled, um, is a great cause uh, helping a young man with Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, so be sure to go to the dis uh, link in the description to donate for that. Um, so, John, let's start off. Uh, Kind of toward the beginning, how were you first introduced to the world of Tolkien? I have two sons, and about 47 years ago, no, maybe a bit more than that, maybe 43 years ago, my son returned from his, uh, his boarding school at half term, my elder son, Ben, and we didn't see him for five days. He was reading Lord of the Rings. Um, and he was the real first convert in the family. I vaguely heard of the book when I was at university, because I was at university 63 to 66. Okay. Uh, and I think Lord of the Rings comes out in 57, 58, or something like that. I know all the girls at the university, and, and it was a very small university. I was at the University of East Anglia in its very first years. So the first year, there were 105 of us, uh, including postgrads. Um, and, uh, and the girls had all read Lord of the Rings, which, of course, meant, of course, if the girls were reading Lord of the Rings, well, it wasn't a chap's thing. I'm hard <laughs> science fiction. You know, I fantasy, well, doesn't, doesn't work for me. My second encounter with Lord of the Rings was when young Tom, my second son, returned from school and uh, with it, and we tried reading it, mm. and he hated it, and, <laughs> and we both ended up falling asleep. I tried it for several, several times, and, uh, and I just, I couldn't get into it. So it was a slightly sinking heart when, uh, when I realized that instead of acquiring a, a nice small part uh, in Lord of the Rings, which would take me to New Zealand for a month so I could get <laughs> to see New Zealand and come back because... Surely this little chap in New Zealand who'd done a number of small films really wasn't going to be able to pull off something as enormous as this. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know, what, what, if anyone can make a movie when you've got, um, say, four people or six people and four weeks to shoot it in, you mm -hmm. know, and a, a simple four-hander. Yeah. Anyone can do that, and they do all the time, depressingly. Um but um, and I've been in some. Um, but uh, but to do something as huge as this, with twenty-one leading characters, casts yeah. of thousands, and a story that does not le lend itself to cinematic presentation, yeah. or certainly didn't before. Uh, even Tolkien, the author himself, did not believe it could possibly be made into a movie. Right. Um, I thought this was nonsense. Anyway, I struggled. And then, uh, and then when I got Gimli, and the only reason I played Gimli was because of number one son, really, who <laughs> said, well, number one son and my manager. My manager said, John, if you, oh, he's my manager now. He was then my agent. Jeff Goldberg, thank you. Um, 
He said, John, if, uh, if, if you turn down this part, I don't think we can continue to represent you, which I thought was <laughs> very sweet. And number one, some Ben said, Dad, with due respect, I think you're nuts for turning this down. And I said, why is that, son? He said, well, just think, in every bookshop of the literate world, anywhere in the world, there is two feet of bookshelving dedicated to Tolkien. Mm -hmm. I thought, hmm. He said, just think of what that means in terms of a fan base. Yeah. And I said, yeah. But I didn't want to do it. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't want to do it anyway. So I had to read it then. And I read it and kept falling asleep. And I struggled to the end and started again and read it again and kept falling asleep. And then I tried the third time. And then somewhere halfway through the third time, something started to click mm. and I started again and I think I began to get it. Mm. This is not a book as any book that I had ever read before. Uh, and that was basically my resistance. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is an attempt at a new style of writing and a recreation of a pre Arthurian mythology for Britain. Mm. And and once you realize that it is it is it it isn't exactly like, but you can see the derivation from the Norse sagas, mm -hmm. which again are not particularly linear in, right. in, 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 in their narrative form. It goes from here to here. Oh, by the way, you know, his son did this. His son <laughs> actually murdered. Uh, another five-year-old, and then obviously went on to become a great warrior. Uh, uh, and but let's get back to his cousin over here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, it, Tolkien is unquestionably one of the great giants and great sports in the in the plant sense. A sport mm. is one of those rare breakthroughs that that just spontaneously occur and change the whole the, the, the whole development of that type of plant mm. um, and 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 it's a very fertile i mean a very fertile sport as well because yeah. a whole genre of fantasy writing is derived from it mm. so you mentioned uh obviously you read the book in preparation for the role after you got the role um was there what what else did you do to prepare to become gimli so to speak well yeah. i didn't really i still didn't really want to do gimli i mean <laughs> I, I, you know why you spend 40 years of your of of your life is that right yes i was getting on for it it was nearly 40 years of my of your acting life you know trying trying to become a, 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 a recognized face. And then you're going to cover it in, in foam rubber uh, for something that's, that's, it's not going to work. People have tried it. It is not going to work. To do something like this, you need the film resources of a Rome or an LA or possibly a London. Yeah, you know, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> this little chap in New Zealand, 
with all due respect to him, he's, he's going to make some fine, nice little films. But yeah, this, do you know what happens when you have an 18-month shoot or something like that? Something goes wrong in month four or five when there's a lot of money spent on it mm -hmm. and you start getting delays. And the hole that you're in gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you get somebody coming out and saying, we've got to cut. Uh, I remember when we did Shogun, hmm. somebody, somebody was sent out to cut one hour out of the show. Oh, wow. Um, but that's another story and <laughs> a good one too. Um, but so I thought, well, look, I will go there and convince myself that this is a waste of time. I don't want to spend three years of my life doing something that ends up, you know, failing in the box office and mm. going direct to DVD, uh, you know, um, you know, eight months later, and we yeah. never actually get to finishing it. It's, it's a waste mm -hmm. of life. There are other more interesting things to do. Mm. So I went there with a measure of duplicity in my heart. I didn't really want to do the part. I didn't really want to do that much time. But I, I felt that I had to give it uh, some serious consideration. Yeah. So I prepared myself by going into every department in, in, in Wellington that mm. was connected with the film, you know, the design department, you know, the, the construction, you know, the carpenters. Let's mm -hmm. see what they're doing. Let's see. Let's look at the designs. Let's look at the costume department. Let's look at the armory. Let's, uh, you know, and I spent a morning and an afternoon in every damn department. <laughs> and my heart sank because every department had a, a level of expertise mm -hmm. that you would only expect to find in the great film capitals of the world. Wow. But more than that, there was an energy and an enthusiasm mm -hmm. that was actually unique in my experience. Mm. Filmmakers can become blasé. Crews can become blasé. Mm -hmm. You know, we've done this, we know how to do it and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's just another job, really. Yeah. But these were fresh and keen. And fresh and keen won't do it by itself. But there was such a depth mm. of, of organization and vision and execution there that it was really depressing because I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have an easy get out, but <laughs> there was still another thing. Let's see how this little chap handles, handles his crew and handles his actors, because you can sometimes tell just by the way a director handles his crew, hmm. whether it's going to be a waste of time or not. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he handles his crew badly and it's not, not a waste of time sometimes it can be a, a damn good film but there's no joy in it mm. and who wants to spend three joyless years yeah so i went and watched this little chap from new zealand effortlessly answering every question simply clearly 
modestly. A natural, an, un, uh, an unnaturally self-made natural leader <laughs> uh, uh, who, who, who turned me around, actually. He, I, I, I thought, my God, this guy could bring it off. Hmm. Now, I haven't actually thought what bringing this off means or entails. Let me think about this. We started, and about two weeks afterwards, I am proud to say that we had a press conference. And hmm. um, uh, right at that same time, the Australia in Australia, they were making the, the, the first of the new Star Wars. Ah, yeah, yeah. And at this press conference, I am proud to say that I said, "Ladies and gentlemen of the press, please revise your expectations upwards." <laughs> Three predictions: one, this film is going to be bigger than the new Star Wars. At which point, Peter Jackson went. <laughs> Secondly. This film and its successors are going to be amongst the most successful films of this decade and possibly the first half of this century. Thirdly, in 20 years' time, when you look back on these films, they're going to be amongst the favorite films that you've ever seen. Headline in, in, in local newspaper, Actor claims Peter Jackson's new film will be bigger than Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but you're to, right on all three counts. Cut to 18 months later, PJ comes up to me and he says, you know when you said that they were going to be bigger than Star Wars? Well, we just had the, 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 the latest numbers in, and actually we've just outgrossed Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so you knew pretty early on. One of my favorite questions to ask folks I've had on, like Billy and Dom and uh, Mark Ordesky and folks like that, I ask them at what point they realized Lord of the Rings was something truly special. And it sounds like you knew pretty early on. Well, what, may, what I'd had experience of big projects. I mean, War and Remembrance, 18 months of principal photography shot around the world. And we had problems then. We, we, we got into we. You know, one of our leading ladies got pneumonia, and we mm. basically had to shut down for a month and a bit. Mm. Um, uh, Shogun, as I, I mentioned before, when right. we did Shogun, we we got we were meant to spend three weeks in in Tokyo uh, in the tanks filming this you know the sea sequences, and we spent eight weeks there. Believe me, that was not a cheap experience for mm. the film company. Yeah. Um, so when you've had exp oh, oh, and I mean the Indiana Jones things, right? Yeah, pretty pretty large as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you know when when you when you've had experiences of those big projects, mm -hmm. you know it's you you've got some yardstick with which to measure, and I was probably the only person there that had that yardstick, mm -hmm. so it was a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> but but what uh, 
to do a 180 from arriving there with a, a hope to find a good get out. So I had have gone to Peter and said, Peter, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't stay away from, you know, my personal family difficulties yeah. at the moment. My, my wife, my, my wife was developing Alzheimer's and, uh, well, she had developed Alzheimer's, and it was really just, you know, increasingly, increasingly after after we yeah. did Lord of the Rings, my own my own travel world for film got short, smaller and smaller because I wanted to be there. Yeah, you know, w w you know, so that you know when that end crisis came, uh, you know, I, I would be available Close, to yeah. uh, uh, available to get there. Um, and you know, it's the impact of something like that in your personal life is pretty catastrophic, anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, it, it's um, it, it. I would, you know, I, I would have gone to him and said, "Look, Peter, sorry, can't do this. Big pardon. Yeah. Uh, uh, forgive me, but I'm sure you can find somebody else to fill the part perfectly well." Um, but I'm off. But I couldn't. I, I he, you know, what he had done. What, what this little anonymous filmmaker in a tiny little country at the other side of the world had done was to build an entire film industry of the highest standards hmm. to serve his vision of how basically The Hobbit, but first of all, it had to be Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. was to be made. Um, and... Uh, I was, uh, I, 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 in the end, I was very pleased to be in it. It was bloody hard. Oh, I beg your no. pardon. Mustn't swear to your uh, <laughs> audience. It, it was, it was very hard. Yeah. Um, but uh, what a what a filmmaker! What a a film producer! What a, I mean, basically, he made the film industry. He made yeah. a significant film industry. Yeah. And he did. He did more to put New Zealand on the map of the world than any man since Captain Cook. <laughs> that's that's, yeah, yeah. That's how. That's how I learned about New Zealand for sure. I knew Australia was down there. I did not. <laughs> I was not a big geography person before. I, I probably know uh, Middle Earth geography better than <laughs> the world geography. Uh, but I know where New Zealand now is, by golly. <laughs> yes, indeed. And so does the world. I believe their tourist industry was mm -hmm. registered what, just over a billion, billion and a half a year yeah. in, in 1999. Mm -hmm. And before COVID in, 19, uh, in 2019, yeah. uh, they fudged the figure. Well, they, they changed the basis on which they make the figures. Mm. So it's either 14 billion or 17 billion a year it's a lot that's a lot yeah <laughs> um but um new zealand owns owes an awful lot to peter jackson indeed and they had a silly prime minister a socialist prime minister um called helen clark who had decided to get rid of knighthoods um mm. and institute the new zealand order of merit which thankfully a subsequent um, a more sensible prime minister revoked. Mm 
Mm. And I, 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 you know, I, I, I made, I made great, uh, made great enemies with with Miss Clark, um, because I, because I said, now who was the idiot who, uh, you, uh, you know, single handedly decided to get rid of knighthoods, you know, <laughs> Peter Jackson, Order of the. New Zealand order of the splatted possum, grade one, <laughs> doesn't quite... Doesn't have the ring to it. <laughs> it doesn't have the ring to it. As when, he, when he goes into an L.A. student uh, studio looking for money for a project with that on, but yeah. Sir Peter Jackson, yeah. that actually actually makes people say, oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was not her favorite. In fact, <laughs> we were we were all invited to the Beehive, uh, which is their 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 Parliament building in Wellington. Mm, okay, and uh, I, I was the only person uh, who didn't get uh, to shake hands with the Prime Minister for some oh. reason. I can't think why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, PJ got his knighthood. He and did, deserved, and deservedly so. Absolutely. Wonderful. Sorry about that. The, kind no. Of, Total digression, wasn't it? That's uh, no di digressions are fantastic. <laughs> so uh, we we talk a lot about Gimli, obviously, but you also got to play Treebeard in the films. Um, so at what point did that decision come into play, um, and how was your approach different with Treebeard? Oh dear. Well. PJ said, why don't you do Treebeard? And I thought, oh, more money. Good. Yes, of course I can do that. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course, Peter. Uh, right. Okay. Let's have a look at it. Right. Well, this is quite simple, really. What we've got here is a walking, talking, no lungs. Hmm. Non-tree with a very slow time sense. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me just have a little think about that. Uh, right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, well, let's, let's try it. Oh, that doesn't work, does it? Uh, let's try it this way. Right. Listen, I've got this great idea. Why don't we really... Slow it down. I, I will speak. I will speak rapidly, and and let us, you know, record at high speed and then play. Oh, oh, oh something like that. What I wanted to do is try and get almost a whale noise sound oh, yeah. out of it. You know, let's let's try that. All right. Well, that doesn't work either. <laughs> look, look, the problem is this character speaks slowly. And that works on paper. You can man you manipulate time mm. in a different way on paper than you do on film. You know, a pause this long may work on stage. Mm. It may certainly work on paper. But you try and do that in a, an entire scene on film, you're dead. Yeah. This is the only part that I still wake up thinking. I've, I've woken up thinking, as actors do, the day after filming something up. Oh, 
I missed that. Ah, oh, how could I have been so stupid? The line actually should go that way. Mm. I've done that many times before. <laughs> and doubtless will continue to do so. But with this one, I still wake up in sweats at night because I do not know how to do it. Mm. Uh, you know, I created something in the end. But I don't think it's right, and I don't know how to. I don't know how to do it. It's a tricky mm. character. Well, it's because because it's a fantasy creature, mm -hmm. but a very specifically designed fantasy yeah. creature. If you say, John, you are a walking, talking whale, I will go. My flippers are going excited on me. Mm. Mm. Oh, krill alive. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, any actor can do that. Um, but this is a very specific creature. Mm -hmm. I tried to get the squelch of the roots coming out of the ground and 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 the you, you know that that sound that branches make when they rub together mm, in yeah. the wind. All these elements are part of it, and I I I couldn't do it. Well, I for one am really excited for a future production that features John the Walking Talking Whale. After hearing ah! that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, there are a few interesting things coming along. Uh, there's, uh, we're just trying to devise a a lovely um, a lovely character called uh, who is the, the the series title is Moscow Nevada, in which comrade I play. No, I better not talk about that because otherwise <laughs> my, my producers will kill me. But anyway, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I and yesterday, uh, no, not yesterday. Last last week, I had a, a conversation with somebody who wants to make a comic book series, mm. um, and uh, uh, they approached me, and uh, I said, no, I, I don't want to make a comic book series of my life. It's you know it's too dangerous. <laughs> but if you wanted to use the films as a stepping stone into the imaginative life, mm -hmm. uh, that would be a different thing. And that might be educational, you know. Um, and, and we came up with some ideas and we're actually going to try and go ahead with that. So, um, Awesome. Yeah, well, that it's sounds, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that sounds interesting. Well, when you think, um, I mean... <laughs> at least 300 archaeologists uh, have come up to me. When I'm talking, I say archaeologists, field archaeologists, mm -hmm. museum curators, collection creators, full professors of archaeology um, have come up to me at fan conventions and said, you know, the real reason I got interested in archaeology is when I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... and um, and and from that, I've I've had the opportunity to do voiceover narrations mm. 
for exhibitions of 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 uh, Egyptian and Roman archaeology, yeah, uh, and stuff like that. I, I ended up I ended up doing a wonderful little series called Archaeology for the uh, the Learning Channel uh, mm. when it was around. So it's it's given me a, a, a number of opportunities. But um, when you combine that with, I did a series called Sliders, which was a sci-fi series. Mm -hmm. Uh, and a fan wrote to me afterwards and said, "Dear Mr. Reese Davis, you know this device that opens that provides access into a parallel universe. Um, you and I must work on this because we can we can bring this to the world uh, <laughs> and and and, um, and make a great deal of money for it." And when I gently said, "Well." Thank you for your interest and support and all that thing. Obviously, it, you know it, this is a television series, and it's a, right. You know, <laughs> it's it's not real, and uh, the 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 correspondence got progressively nastier oh. as as he uh, as he accused me of trying to cut him out of <laughs> uh, 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 of a, an invention that could benefit the entire world and make a fortune, and I was just being a selfish, obsessed. You know, man, keeping a secret that the world should have. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a little more than you bargained for when you sign up to narrate something. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> uh, but you know the the um, but but the comic, the comic book potential of that, uh, you know, yeah. is, is oh, all right. So. Archaeologists or, or, or people assume that I know something about archaeology. Mm -hmm. I know a little bit about history because, well, let me show you. Uh, uh, sorry, this is this is this is this is the upstairs library. Oh. It's a bit messy at the moment. I don't know. There's that lot over there, yeah, uh, 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 which is largely history and philosophy, and there's that lot over there, which is largely Shakespeare, and there's this lot here, which is sort of literature. Uh, wow. and stuff like that, uh, and it's one of four libraries in the house. So it, it's uh, uh, now. Have I read twenty thousand books? No, I haven't. <laughs> uh, I wish I had. Um, I'm just altering this. Is that, is that a better? Yeah, idea? no, that's great. That's great. Um, uh, no, I wish I had. Um, but they're, they're reference things, and uh, and, and when I want to know, you could do you could do a PhD on. Twenty or so subjects, quite happily here. Uh, <laughs> um, but then, I belong to that. I hope not last generation of people who just love books. Yeah, um, uh, you know, just just to feel something that. Well, uh, look, what have I got here? Wait, 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 wait. There, look at that. I think, I think, Joyce himself may have held that. Oh wow! Poems, penny each. I think, I think they did. Uh, how many prints of that? This is copyright by James Joyce, nineteen twenty-seven. Hang on. Um, oh, it doesn't say. But I would think he probably didn't didn't do more than that. Uh, 
Oh, wait a minute, look at that. Of these poems, 13 copies have been printed on Dutch handmade paper and numbered <laughs> 1 to 13. Uh, oh, but but I suspect, I suspect there was a, there were a thousand copies of this one made. But Joyce himself may have held it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that he, he picked up and looked through and thought, oh, gosh, going to have some money coming in this year. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I know my, my Ben Johnson my, and Ibsen, of course. The Joyce letters uh, are, are quite amazing. Um, anyway, that's just what's over there. But uh, yes, I love books. Well, that, that was one of my, going to actually be one of my questions later on is, uh, so what is uh, your personal favorite book? We got to encourage viewers to read. So if we yeah, get yes, a indeed. recommendation, right. yeah. Let me let me tell you what I've just finished, which yeah. I should, which I should have done, when it first came out. But I I only came across it quite recently. Um, Justinian's Flea. Hmm. It's a book about the Emperor Justinian, and the the first impact of the Black Death, coming out of Africa. And hitting Europe and ending basically the concept of Rome controlling the Mediterranean and European world. And it allows the the German tribes like the Franks, you know, to in the end set up their own Frankish state that we call mm -hmm. France. Yeah. Um there was not a page in it that didn't tell me something that I didn't know. Uh, and, and, and that's, that, that's wonderful. That's a fun. Yeah. It's a fun feeling. You know, the, one of the saddest things about old age is if you, if you're not careful, you can go entire days without learning something new. Mm. You know, you can go entire days without hearing somebody say something that, that you haven't heard before. Hmm. Um, and that's uh, that's a fearful waste of time, isn't it? And, and yeah. uh, so one's got to throw oneself out there and jump into conversations that you know a bit about, mm -hmm. but not enough. Yeah. Um, uh, and I have to say, going to fan conventions does that. Mm. Obviously, there's a, there are a lot of questions that, that are re repeated uh, mm -hmm. and you have to answer them politely and courteously. And, uh, and sadly, you can't sometimes think of any other way of answering them. Yeah. But, but sometimes somebody makes a point and you go away and think, wow, I had never realized that. Mm. And I find that there has been a, a, a real sea change in me as a person as a result of going to fan conventions. Yeah. Uh, I found, when I first went to a fan convention around about 1998 or something like that, I thought, oh, God, why do I have to go to one of these things? <laughs> all, all these people dressed up as Captain Kirk and 
Well, can't they get a proper life for God's sake? <laughs> um, and uh, I went along and, you know, overcoming your natural shyness, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, and and learning to talk to people and 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 learning how to avoid talking about yourself mm. and getting them to talk about themselves themselves uh, was one one of the great lessons i learned in life mm. but the more i got to talk to people the more i allowed them to talk and listened to them the more my respect came for just grew yeah and I, I and i realized those people that should get a life as i casually dismiss them actually have a life hmm. and it's a very rich life it's a very it, it's a hugely imaginative life that hmm that really sustains them and sometimes keeps them alive. I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me and said, Lord of the Rings got me through this time when my father mm. was dying and we watched Lord of the Rings together. Uh, Lord of the Rings got me through this illness. I had cancer uh, and I would just binge watch time and time again, Lord of the Rings. Um, and you suddenly actually realize that there's even a therapeutic value to, to movies. Absolutely. Um, but they have taught me so much. In, in fact, I came to the conclusion a, a year or so, two, year, two or three years ago, perhaps, that what really I get from going to fan conventions the great gift they have given me is they have taught me how to like people. Hmm. I think as a young man, I didn't really like people. <laughs> I was the Byronic hero. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the aged and, uh, and, and faded Byronic hero dressed somewhat roughly, but you, the, my excuse is I've been, I've been stripping rotten wood from a, from, from a little barn outside that yeah. I took, we took the the, 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 the the slates off last week. I didn't really have time to, 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 to go and dress up for this, and I should have done. Oh, respect, no. <laughs> re, respect for your audience. <laughs> the, the audience has taught me, has taught me how marvelous people are, how marvelous most people are in life and what mm. heroes some of them are you know to look at the exhausted mother uh, who has brought up a child who is who is is deaf and dumb and yet glows with a serenity mm. and for an old skeptic and a rat and a, you know, a, a, a man who, who really is, is more science-based than spirit-based. Sometimes you see a real manifestation 
-hmm. of the divine in people. And when you do that, you are very humbled and at the same time just reminded of the the extra dimensions of reality around us. Yeah. Uh, or to watch a father who's brought along a 10 or 12-year-old boy who is blind. And yet you can see as you talk to him, you can see the pictures in his mind huh. and the delight and the sheer active intelligence uh, walking there. Ah, oh, it's glorious. It's yeah. glorious. And if I, I, I taught for a while, and thankfully for teaching, I left teaching. But there is an old pedagogue in me still that just, I love children. Uh, and just to watch the light of the imagination or the pain of thought crossing a child's face or being able to say something that suddenly opens up a whole new line in their imagination or mm. their sense of what is possible. Yeah. That is glorious. That's glorious. And that's, yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings and I, I've had the same uh, experience myself and, you know, people I've talked to that there's a therapeutic uh, aspect of it and um, you know it cert whether it's certain parts or the work as a whole really deeply affects people um, do you have a scene from the movies that's your favorite that stands out above the rest as you look back look there are so many so many wonderful memories that yeah. I have from that um when I'm when I'm asked that question uh, at a fan convention on a stage, I, I I just look at the audience and 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 jump up and down as if I'm trying to look over a battlement somewhere, <laughs> um, and they get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but. Um, No, just being part of that magnificent telling mm. of of a unique story was was in itself. It, 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 the totality is made up of of all those separate elements and moments, but it's still bigger than that too. Yeah, and once once you start adding the the element of of the audience and the audience's love and approval to it. It has to be one of the most significant experiences of any actor's life. Uh, certainly this one. Yeah. Um, hmm, sorry about that. No, but, that's great. Uh, but, but let me, I, I don't know whether I actually said, uh, actually said this, but uh, one of the things that I'm hoping that if we go ahead with this little comic series mm -hmm. that one can do is, is lead interested people or people who are only marginally interested into discovering history, discovering uh, areas of life that they don't actually know and understand. 
and uh, because that is that is the great journey of mankind, isn't it? Is mm. to 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 we're the curious monkey. We are the one, and increasingly, increasingly, I would teach every subject. Were I in charge of uh, of curriculums now, I think I teach every subject through history. Mm. Uh, the object, the objection, of course, becomes, what? What about mathematics? But number one, some then the other day said, "When you think about it, Dad, maths is history." I said, uh, <laughs> and he said, "Think about it. Maths is a series of cheats, of ways of solving problems, invented by the greatest minds of their time, mm. on their very best day." And when we study maths in school, what we're doing uh, up until the time we're 15 or 16, we are studying the history of maths from the year dot to the year 1600. Mm. Then when we get into calculus and stuff like that in the next two years, we're studying, we're just, we're studying the history of mathematics from 1600 to 1800. And when we're studying mathematics at university, we are, we are studying the maths from 1800 to the present day. Hmm. Um, an interesting way of looking at things. It is, yeah. 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 Um, but but uh, if, you can, if you can entertain and educate, and I had a great experience of this. I did a series called Gargoyles. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. In which I played a character called Macbeth. Um, and the writers had done a brilliant job of researching 14th century, 14th century, Scotland, 13th mm. century Scotland, uh, Scottish history. And their version of Macbeth is really closer to the history than Shakespeare ever got. Wow. Mind you, Shakespeare had to be a bit careful because... Uh, uh, because he was writing for King James, and right, <laughs> uh, 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 and, and King James, I think, was descended from Duncan, uh, who was murdered by Macbeth. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, but what a privilege to be an actor in marvelous and recognized great movies, and to be mm. able to say, hmm. Have you thought of this? Look, why don't you go on and look at this? Read just Justinian's Flea, for instance. Yeah. And for me, who had a very, you know, there are big gaps in your knowledge of European history or world history. And I got a pile of books over there on Chinese history. I haven't even started on them yet. <laughs> um, and, and suddenly to be able to sort of fill in what happens after the fall of Rome in mm. 410 between then and, 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 uh, uh, and the bits that come afterwards, eight, nine, yeah. well, we know a little bit about the Vikings and all, but what happened in that little bit in between, you know, from 600 to 800? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the rise of Islam. One of the reasons Islam rises is because the desert communities were cut off from the Black Death earlier than the old Roman Empire, the, gro the great trading centers. Uh, where uh, 
where the plague followed, where the rats followed the grain into, out of Africa and into Europe. The Roman Empire lost 20 million people. Hmm. Um, there weren't enough soldiers to guard the empire. There was sometimes not enough food, uh, which meant that slavery actually began a measure of manumission because, because the slaves that survived started farming for themselves hmm. uh, because the masters were dead. Wow. Um, uh, so this is interesting because one, one of uh, the fan submitted questions I had uh, when, I, when I asked some of my supporters, uh, <laughs> one asked, if you didn't become an actor, what do you think you would, would be doing? It sounds like you might be a historian. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'll tell you, uh, um, I really set out not to be an actor, but to be a writer. Um, as we know, all actors are out of work for at least six months of the year. And in those six months, I would be writing the masterpieces for which you would be uh, 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 interviewing me now. Hmm. Didn't quite happen that way. You know that wonderful aphorism, if you want to make God laugh, tell him you have a plan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what would I have been? Well, uh, let's assume that I could not have been in, I could not have been a writer or an actor. Uh, I was too egotistic as a younger man to be, to be a, te a good teacher. Mm. Uh, I mean, you are talking to the guy who started off doing science in, uh, you know, in his, in those two years prior to university and gave up halfway through because I realized my mathematics would prevent me from ever earning a Nobel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you can't get a Nobel, why are you in? What's the point, right? <laughs> I, 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 I weep when I think of the younger Reese Davis. Um, I, and 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 to be honest with you, I don't know that I really like him that much. Um, <laughs> he certainly is a class one idiot. <laughs> um, but uh, but but uh, so let's assume then that I couldn't have done those things. What would I have done? Well, I like engineering. Mm. Um, I, I dabble a bit, uh, as you may notice. Uh, uh, with, with, oh with, yeah, yes, 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 yes. It was a, it was really an orc that you know, bit it, and I had to cut it off with the axe, of course, because <laughs> you can't have orc poison going through your butt. Anyway, no, um, love uh, love mechanical things, and um. And I always imagine that I will do more than I ever get time to even start. Mm. Um, but isn't that true of life? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, like reading all these books. Will I ever yeah. read all of them? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know that I will. Uh, <laughs> it's an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. But I've read all Tom Nash up there and Middleton. And, uh, but you see, the letters of Thomas Hood. Who the heck reads Thomas Hood these days? <laughs> And who reads his letters? Yeah. 
Um, maybe I should do that tonight. You yeah. Maybe you should. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Then you have the answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it all comes back to me, doesn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I, we're, we're, uh, I know we're getting short on time here, so I want to. No, um, no, you, you, you ask any questions that you like, <laughs> and I will try and give you answers. Well, I've got, I've got a few shorter questions that Please. you know. Um, so we usually do like toward the end of these, we usually do kind of a rapid fire. So, uh, so this is great. Um, so a few questions. Uh, one, which Lord of the Rings cast member was most like the character they played? Oh, impossible to ask. <laughs> they made them. They, when you read the book now, you, 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 hear, uh, you hear those individual voices coming through. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 I, I no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. Not, I can't go there. That's. I. Yeah, I, that's fine. I. I think. I think the the effort of casting mm. was brilliant. Yeah. And if you are a director and you cast well, um, then you've actually done ninety percent of your job. Mm. Maybe. Maybe not. But the crucial bit is done if you get yeah. it right. Um, that's one thing I've always loved about the films. Like it amazes me how well those films were cast yes. i i would can't even begin to think of a film that's been more perfectly cast than the lord of the rings i'll tell you what in in, in an earlier cut i did say to peter this guy does not work this character uh, his voice is completely wrong and it, you know and i won't tell you which act it was and PJ listened, and he, it was probably not my, just me that had said this. When the film came out, the character was as wonderful as the rest of the characters. Hmm. He'd obviously worked on him, and the actor had worked on it, and, uh, and, and had probably seen the other, the other performances and realized where his performance needed to be pitched engaged mm. and uh um we'll fix it in the post certainly worked there you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, um so who is your favorite tolkien character other than gimli well i suppose you want me to make some comment about the pointy-eared fellow eh? <laughs> you know, he's engaging enough i suppose yeah i mean it cheats a lot. You know, <laughs> anyone can do all that sort of stuff. But as I like to tell my audience, for real wet work, you need an axe. That's right. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the wee hobbits, you know, they're, they're nice lads. They're, well, they're little hobbits, you know, and, uh, you know, we bigger... We bigger characters are there to protect them, as we should be. <laughs> there will be no bullying. There will be no. There will be no outrageous behavior by the bad side. <laughs> hmm? How dare they threaten we hobbits 
Eh, they gotta come up against a real dwarf to get to the hobbits. <laughs> and bring them on, I say. There's nothing that a dwarf fears. Well, when I say nothing that a... But, but you know, there are some spooky things that, you know, go on. And, you know, witchcraft and all that sort of stuff. And there is a witch in the forest, let me tell you. And rumor has it, I don't pay any account of these rumors, of course, because I'm a, I'm a, a pragmatic sort of dwarf, but there is a witch in this forest, they say, that if you do but set eyes upon her, your life will never again be the same. And his knife never is again. No, it's same. not. That's that's another fan favorite uh, interaction. There is between Gimli and Galadriel for sure. Yeah, because he he he, she actually connects with him in a in a way that she doesn't with anyone anyone else. Obviously, mm -hmm. obviously the ring bearer has a special blessing but each one of them gets a blessing but mm. she she sees she sees that the need of of gimli is to find the fellowship of love and and what she is saying is basically when she gives, I asked for one hair from her golden head. She gave me three. And, 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 and what she says, what, what, what the message of that is, ask, ask for love and it will be returned threefold hmm. i think yeah of course he doesn't quite get that right maybe, yeah maybe maybe he does and i think yeah I, th I know uh i don't i you might have already you know discovered this but you know the the history behind that you know back in ancient days there was an elf who uh feanor who requested a hair a single hair three times of galadriel and she refused him that's and right. so it's it's pretty awesome i love that that that's completely over gimli's head and you know we kind of as an audience uh those of us who've you know uh gone deep in the silmarillion and everything we 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 kind of have that smirk like legolas has in the back of the boat there where he understands something something bigger and uh gimli's just ecstatic <laughs> about his three strands yes, of hair three isn't it three yes yeah that's three yeah um yes and you know exactly what is going to happen don't you the moment mm -hmm. that he get, gets it home and he starts he, he, he gets out gets the gets the forge going yeah. and i have gold here and, and we're gonna set some nice big stones there you know <laughs> you, you can't have too many rubies i think no and diamonds too but, 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 you know, I, I mean, it's going to become one of those sort of over elaborated icons or, or, mm. or, or frames surrounding a chip of the true cross 
uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, <laughs> you and and you know it, it will be catchy, mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> it's it it's. Uh, Or is it? Or am I just, uh, maybe I'm not being fair. To I know in the book, he said his exact words are that he's going to set it in imperishable crystal. Yes. And then it would be an heirloom of his house. Yes. And treasure it forever. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, there is... Perhaps you know that uh, when I, when we that reading that you that you have asked me to uh, to do yeah perhaps that really indicates a greater aesthetic sensibility in Gimli than I mm -hmm. actually than I've actually realized before. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn it. Now you're going to make me want to play the part in a different way. Oh. <laughs> well, I will say, so on that topic, when I had Sir Richard Taylor on, we were talking about the their wonderful... Uh, that's my turn to go to the bookshelf here. They're wonderful. They have these mini epic figures. And there's a one... I don't have Gimli on the shelf right now. He's still in his box. But... You don't have Gimli on the shelf? <laughs> I do. He's... I have plenty of Gimli's. I've got a bobblehead, a Funko Pop. I think I've got a Lego back there. So he's well represented, but I'm waiting for more shelf space oh, to, to bring out more Gimli. But Sir, Sir Richard Taylor and I have this idea that they should make a stop motion or animated show based on their little figures here. I think it would be wonderful if they did that and brought you back and you could be a whole nother Gimli for a whole nother, whole nother audience. Uh, I, I love Richard. Um, in fact, I, I've got a script that I showed him that I'm going to have to try and beat the money tree for. It's about your ancestor, uh, who is actually my ancestor. But it's an important piece, I think, because it tells us something about human nature. Mm. And at the end, we will be cheering and crying at the same time. Um, uh, uh, but, but, but I... There's a piece in it that I want want him to do the the special the the the, the artwork for the yeah. special effect, and uh, I showed it to him and he said, I saw him the next day and I said, how are you? I said, you sleep well? And he said, no, John, I didn't sleep well. I spent the entire <laughs> night thinking about that wonderful idea you've got there and how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, imagination is 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 a part of the sympathetic system that is the easiest to infect mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> the fire of an idea you know is like a raging furnace that rushes through our brains mm -hmm. and uh, and and sometimes changes us yeah mm. now we've obviously talked a lot about lord of the rings i would be so disappointed in myself if I didn't bring up Indiana Jones at all. I'm curious, is there any chance we'll get to see Sala in the upcoming Indiana Jones 5? Well, 
they'd have surely announced it if it was going to happen, wouldn't they? Maybe. Or are they keeping it a secret? They can be secretive about things these days. <laughs> can any secret be kept for long these days? Mm. Um, did you see anything? Any? Do you think there's any truth of that rumor that Banderas might be in it? Ah, I did hear that. Yeah. I think he's probably playing the John Reese Davis part. You think so? Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll cross my fingers anyway. I'm hoping when I go to the movie theater that maybe Salo will make an appearance. I, I understand. You probably couldn't even tell me if you were anyway. Oh, that's probably true. I mean, if, if, if I'd been contracted to do it, they would probably have put... Uh, you know, but you must be quiet about this until we, you know, yeah. until we announce it or something like that. Right. However, right. of course, I've, they didn't contract me, did they? So. Mm. Okay. Mm. Mm. And one would have to deny, wouldn't one? You one mm. would, yes. Mm. Mm. It's a tricky one, that isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Will um, he? <laughs> did he? Didn't he? Mm. <laughs> Could it be? Or maybe not. Why didn't he do the last one? Hmm. Hmm. Ah, well, there you are. I see. <laughs> Life is full of mysteries, but I it can is. tell. I, I can tell you that that um, that the director is a very good director. In fact, hmm. the the only film that I've watched three times this year is uh, Ford versus Ferrari, hmm. uh, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Um, what else have I seen this year that I loved? Oh, I've completely forgotten now. The year's almost gone. And it yeah, goes in, it is. Goes in one ear, comes out the other, you know. <laughs> when you get to my age, it's, it's um, nurse, I've wetted myself again. Not quite there yet. But, um, uh, yes. Right, so come on, ask some questions. Oh you've yes, got okay. Fans. You've, so got, I've, I've got, you've got you've got responsibility to your fans there. <laughs> come on, come on. So I've I've got I do have uh, one more question. Um, so I heard, <laughs> I heard that you played a prank on Peter Jackson with an something with an injured finger. Is that correct? What what what, what, what finger would that be? Um, <laughs> This is entirely down uh, to my marvelous, marvelous uh, makeup man, um, dear, dear Dino. He he actually sort of he said, "Look, why don't we do this?" So, as you may notice, I have lost the tip of this finger fighting orcs. No, it mm -hmm. actually it got shot off by the Luftwaffe. You know, when when my Spitfire had run out of uh, of ammunition and things like that. No, no, it's a long story. Basically, it was a crocodile, I think. Um, but anyway, um, so what he did was he took a cast of this finger mm -hmm. and made a beautiful tip to the finger, which we put on there. And in the middle of it, we put a little bit of white representing the bone, Mm. And we put a lovely few bits of carmine uh, around it, representing a bit of blood. So I went up to Peter and said, um, uh, uh, Peter, I've just, um, and I started 
tilting <laughs> tilting it that way, you know, a little bit. I said, I, I, I cut myself a little bit there, Peter. Can you see this? Yes. Uh, and I started tilting it slowly up that way. He said, "Well, John, I think I think you I think you ought to go and see that." <laughs> nice one yeah <laughs> hmm. sick but that's obviously one of the reasons why Gimli wore those gloves all the time right yeah I didn't um, realize that that's something new to me well yes I didn't want more makeup on my blasted hands <laughs> as well oh yeah I'm I'm sure you were saying you were you know how you were originally looking for an out I'm sure uh had you known the troubles you'd run into with the makeup that that probably would have factored in your decision. Well, I, I knew there would be, you know, everyone lies to you. My then manager, uh, whom I love and adore still, um, uh, she said, Oh, John, they'll, they'll get the makeup down to about an hour every day. And I said, you are lying to me. <laughs> you have never had makeup on. Of course I have. I'm a woman. I said, sweetheart, you have never had full prosthetic makeup on. Hmm. This will take hours out of my life. This will be agony. And why would I spend 30, 40 years trying to be a recognized actor to cover myself in <laughs> two inches of blasted foam? Um, but anyway, uh, I got talked into it and, uh, yeah, it was a, a really unpleasant, um, a really unpleasant time. Um, because, not because there was an allergic reaction, as I, I, I endlessly explained this. Medical adhesive is hypoallergenic. It doesn't actually give you an uh, allergic response. Well, what it does to is it really bonds to the, the surface cells of the skin, and that's how it sticks. Mm. But it's not designed to be taken off and put on on a daily basis because to get it off, you actually have to do, you basically have to take a tiny layer of the skin, of the skin cells with you. Right. And, and that's fine normally. You know, you take it off and day goes by and everything's cured. But when you keep taking it off, you get deeper and deeper and deeper and the skin under your eyes is some of the thinnest skin on the human body. It's about twice the thickness of a cigarette paper. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, and, and, and what happened was I lost all, all the skin around the eyes, uh, all the top layer of skin. You know, you remember when you were a little boy and you fell over and grazed your knee mm, and it was, yeah. it was that absolutely lobster red mm -hmm. stuff with that white that with that with that shiny coat of uh, of of basically lymph i suppose trying to heal the surface um you know and the, the whole body sense oh we got a major we got a major opening there let's send everything in there build up the new skin quickly and things like that well uh, that's fine, but every time it tried, you know, the, the makeup went back on and it removed again. I used to go in on a Monday, and they would look at me and go, 
John, you can't work today because there is not enough skin around the eyes for us to be able to stick uh, the prosthetic to. Prosthetics, wow. And I'd go away, and Tuesday and Wednesday, it would, it, it would, it would crossed over, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd go back in perhaps on Wednesday or maybe Thursday, and they put it on. And as as they put it on, you would feel the crust beginning to to break up and start yeah. sl- sliding, and uh, it was it was the toughest job I've ever had. Given that, and it. You had somebody in your face. Well, it basically took about four and a half, five hours to get to, to that point. Yeah. Where where you could then put the wig on and well, you know, then you put the wig on and the and the beard on and things like that. But in terms of actually filming, uh it, 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 the the touch-ups. Normally what happens is okay. Uh, let's roll it and action, cut, right? Let's go again. And in dashes the the, the makeup person and you know does, dabs you with a little bit of powder and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yep, you're fine. Um, hair comes in, wardrobe comes in. With me, we'd go cut, and uh, and then there would be a twenty minute interval while they touched up the makeup. In the end, you know, I said, look, this is ridiculous. We can't just hold up the filmmaking with everybody around for this amount of time. Look, let's just, let's, I'll do the line and I'll keep doing it five, six, ten times till we've got it, till we've got the line right. We yeah. don't actually, we don't actually need the others around. Let me just, because, because we can't afford that amount of time. Mm. And in the end, that's you know, a, a, a lot of my stuff was was shot on my own. Um, right. You know, um, you know, I I, I had a I, I had a stand-in who also did some doubling for. Actually, mm-hmm. I, had three, I had three stunt doubles, but um, and he, he would get up and he would give them the eyeline. They couldn't. I couldn't give them. A, I was the right. You're very member. tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was the t- tallest member of the fellowship. I couldn't get down to give them. You know the the right eye line. You know, yeah. Sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and now now he said, trying to get up. Oh, uh, um, and so he was he was he, he it was very useful to, to for them to be able to play to his appropriate height and things like that. But I mean, all all my stuff really, not all. Obviously, there are some big set pieces where. Uh, he, he, where, where, I mean, the Council of Elrond and things like that early on, you know, where I really am there. But even yeah. then, they had to do some trick photography. Uh, right. Um, but a lot of it was done when everybody else had gone home and mm-hmm. they trot me out and, uh, you know, you know, the, the, the script suit of the supervisor would read or somebody would read and, and, uh, Yes, but it was the only way to do it. Um, yeah, hard, but not not impossible. I mean, the mm-hmm. great thing about that is that that if you get a chance at ru- you know running the more complicated lines, um, you've got a chance of developing a a, 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 a momentum there mm. that 
that uh, and you can give them lots of different variants to cut to as well yeah and i i, I used to I, I used to like it because peter would say all right all right we've got we've got the script is written written now okay uh, i'm going to cut you loose now john let uh, vamp a bit um and i you know i i would start vamping and when i heard a giggle from him i <laughs> I knew it that at least it was going to be in the first assembly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but you get you get moments ar ar arising because of the presence, because of the mm. interaction of, of of the actors with with each other. Yeah, um, you know, there's that scene where we are jumping, uh, and I jumped, and I I I tried. Oh to, yeah. I tried to give this impression that Gimli was about to sort of was wobbling a little bit like that. Yeah. And, inst and instinctively lovely Orlando reaches out and he grabs me by the beard. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to grab his hand uh, and, and we don't want to lose the shot. Uh, but at the same time, I'm thinking you pull that off. That's another hour and a half <laughs> out of my life. You know, uh, 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 uh. Not the beard, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and there are there are always felicitous moments in movie making uh, <laughs> that you have to keep in the film. You know, yeah, great fun, <laughs> great fun. Yeah, you met, I, so. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. Um, you mentioned you know how you are the actually the tallest member of the fellowship and. I think that's part of the reason that I I went kind of an embarrassingly long time before connecting the dots of you being, you know, that Gimli was played by the same person as Sala from Indiana Jones. I watched, I, I was exposed to Indiana Jones when I was like eight years old or something. So I, I had been a big fan of Indiana Jones. And then one day it, it clicked and it just blew my mind <laughs> that these are the same people. Was, and, you know, it's uh, one of those things as, uh, you know, a young man, it, it made me love and appreciate filmmaking and the craftsmanship that went into those films that, you know, my my mind was telling me, no, this guy's really tall. But, you know, I, I was fooled 100%. Um, speaking of Indiana Jones, I, um, I briefly mentioned it earlier. Um, do you have any favorite stories from your time in the two Indiana Jones films that you were in? Obviously, you acted with Harrison Ford, who's uh, um, a big actor that uh, a lot of people have fun stories of. I didn't know if uh, if you had any yourself that were your favorite. Not particularly great fun stories, per se, but, but I, I will say watching Harrison over the years, as he is grown from an ambitious young actor into a great star of film has has been wonderful and impressive mm -hmm. uh, you know he he really is one of the big stars of his age yeah and he is he's he's it isn't just luck i mean all actors need luck when you get hands solo, it's in a, in a in a in a production you know that really takes off. Mm. Um, that's luck. Yeah. But already he makes hands solo 
steal the film. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you then get the chance to, to, to do uh, an adventure type film uh, that's aimed for a, uh, the, the, the sort of audience that enjoyed those Saturday morning movies, mm -hmm. uh, which people don't have anymore. Um, and it's called Raiders of the Lost Ark. And you, you use that to stamp your claim on being a bankable box office superstar. That's very impressive. Hmm. But he's just gone on growing and growing and growing. I mean, uh, his, his Jack Ryan, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah. how lucky do you have to get to get, uh, you know, three, <laughs> you know, th three great franchises like yeah. that. Uh, but it's not just luck. Um, and his, I like his Ryan. I, I mm -hmm. think uh, I, I think it is very strong, very yeah. American, and, and very different. I, I, it, it, it has been a great education watching a star make himself over the mm. years. And, uh, and, uh, and I respect him deeply for that. Yeah. Mm. On the uh, on the topic of Indiana Jones, I will say one of my favorite Indiana Jones moments comes in um, Last Crusade when uh, when you punch the guy through the newspaper. You're holding up the newspaper, and uh, I don't know why. It, like it's one of those moments where it it I I feel like I laugh a disproportionate amount to most people. Like most people chuckle at it, but I start rolling laughing because it it's just a great bit of physical comedy. Well, I think there is. I, 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 I think there is that that opportunity in 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 the in the character to to yeah. do that. Um, but um, but but uh, you are not the only person, by the way, who who finds it howlingly funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I can't tell you how many autographs. Uh, pictures I've had where uh, where they've asked me to include the words run run <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic well um no you you, you, you well we're not doing too bad for time yeah we're doing, uh, we would, would you like a bit more well well we've got uh, a special treat Guys, I, I sent John a reading. Um, you guys have said over and over how one of your favorite moments in the books is Gimli talking about the glittering caves, and John has very graciously agreed to read a bit of Gimli describing the glittering caves for us. Um, so I'll let John take it away. You asked me for uh, a little reading from Tolkien. Gimli's great description of 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 uh, the mines or the caverns of Helm's Deep. Um, so let me try and read it for you. A glimmering world looks up from the dark pools covered with clear glass. Cities 
such as the mind of Durin could scarce have imagined in his sleep, stretch on through avenues and pillared courts, on into the dark recesses where no light can come, and plink, a silver drop falls, and the round wrinkles in the glass make all the towers bend and waver like weeds and corals in a grotto of the sea. Then evening comes, they fade and twinkle out. The torches pass on into another chamber and another dream. There is chamber after chamber, Legolas, hall opening out of hall, dome after dome, stair beyond stair, and still the winding paths lead on into the mountain's heart. Caves! The caverns of Helm's Deep. Happy was the chance that drove me there. It makes me weep to leave them. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> Is it adequate? Oh my gosh, that was incredible. I was I was getting chills just hearing it. <laughs> oh, but wow. you actually, it, it, and you are right. It, it is something that I had not really considered before. That you know, when we when we lost that great, that wonderful description, mm. uh, because you can't put everything in the film, obviously. Right. Yeah. Uh, but perhaps the magnitude of what was lost there uh, is is understated in the film. Mm. Yes. Now, um, that's actually oh. a great... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go Tolkien always deserves a second read, doesn't he? Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> when I say a second read, I mean... A 20-second read. Yeah. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. <laughs> a 20th read. Well, I've, I've got a, an image here. So since we're on the topic of the glittering caves, um, so this is, this is a snippet of footage that we don't see in either the theatrical or extended editions of Gimli here. Do you recall uh, filming this and uh, the, the prevailing theory is that this is him in the glittering caves, maybe as an epilogue moment uh, after all the events of return of the King have happened. I don't recall that at all. <laughs> um, and I see he's wearing a lot of jewelry. This, he does. This, this is probably uh this, this looks like Gimli at home, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, back where he's, he's, Probably fabricating the uh, uh, the 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 jeweled case, mm. the, the probably somewhat glitzy, uh, overstated jewelry case in which you're going to have to look very carefully to see those three hairs. Yes, carefully preserved. You know, and there, and there, there are the three hairs from her golden head. Where? Where? Uh, no, no, look there. I mean, look, look. It, it, beautiful case, Gimli, but can't see the, can't see the, oh, no, that's a, is that, 
Is that a spider? No, 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 no. That is not a spider's web. Look, look. Use your damned eyes, can you, you idiot? Look. You see those beautiful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we we see them. We see them, Gimli. Yeah, yeah. Good. Nice, nice, nice job. Um. So what happened after that? <laughs> So are we uh, are we relatively happy now? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Till he be dead, call no man happy. <laughs> the earliest I can find of that, it's attributed to everybody, you know. But the earliest that I can find is is Solon in Herodotus's history, hmm. um, uh, when when King Midas is showing him his great wealth and things like that and saying, oh, come on now, Solon, you, you've traveled a lot. You've seen the world a bit. Tell me, who, who do you think is the, the happiest and most fortunate man that you've ever met? <laughs> ah, I said, yeah, well, you know, yeah, there was this woman who had two sons and she always used to drive into the festival of at of athens each year and there were no there were no uh, horses that year their horses had died and yet she wanted to go to the festival and uh, her joy was complete when her two sons put her into the chariot and 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 they trotted all the way from the countryside into the town and she died that night happy not realizing that her sons had died of exhaustion till he be dead call no man happy that's the happiest moment wow <laughs> well well, John, um, thank you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, <laughs> I keep no. interrupting you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 because no, I never know when to stop. <laughs> well, I did. I did want to give a shout out uh, to your wife, Lisa, as well as uh, Emma from It's Time to Shout James. They both were uh, instrumental in setting this up today. Um, again, John's very generously donated his time, um, not only for this chat, but there's going to be the opportunity to uh, where you could win a chat. Everyone always has more questions they wish I would have asked. So now you have your chance to ask John. So what they're going to do is they're going to raffle off a chat with John. Um, so it's $20 New Zealand, uh, New Zealand dollars. Uh, go to the website in the description below and you can purchase as many entries as you'd like. It goes to a fantastic cause. We're helping um, James Dupree. Um, from down in Middle Earth itself, New Zealand, as he uh, is fighting stage four Hodgkin lymphoma. And a portion of those uh, donations also go to the Leukemia and Blood Cancer New Zealand. Um, so go, please give generously at the, uh, at the link below. John, thank you so much for joining me today. You've been absolutely uh, very, very generous with your time. It's been a pleasure. 
I am a huge Tolkien nerd, and I must say that talking to the one and only Gimli from this huge dwarf fan has been an absolute pleasure. Hey. <laughs> There well, we, we dwarves must stick together. <laughs> and remember, viewers, children, fans, there will come a time in your life of real crisis. And how will you behave? How will you recognize the right path to take? Well, this is what you'll do. You will ask yourself the great question. What would Gimli do? What would Gimli do? <laughs> That's fantastic. Fantastic advice, everyone. What would Gimli do? Keep it in mind. <laughs> we'll see you next time here on Nerd of the Rings. You've been uh, a wonderful audience, <laughs> and, and thank you for your interrogation. It was wonderful. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this audio podcast of Nerd of the Rings. To get the latest Middle-Earth-related videos, including Tolkien Explained, Complete Travels, and Theories, visit youtube.com slash nerdofthering's. This audio podcast is made possible by the support of my wonderful Patreon supporters. To learn how you can score some exclusive perks while supporting the channel, visit patreon.com slash nerdofthering's. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Nerd of the Rings.